0: I'm gonna steal some of Buddy's numbers here real quick since we don't need them anymore. I wanna show the impact of sickness. That's not all because of sickness, but it's a lot because of sickness, so as you look around and see, pay attention to those who are not with us this morning. Um, Scripture reading and prayer, did I miss it this morning? Where was I? Uh, I guess maybe I was checking the roll. That's okay. My bad. (laughs) I'm going to think, man, now how am I going to set the tune without any scripture? So you got the scripture. Okay. All right. A lot of absence, a lot of sickness. We're studying in our series, God is with us, developing a relationship with God. If you haven't been here for all of it, let me review quickly. Emmanuel, God is with us. We talked about the very first time how Jesus created everything and, had, and his name means Emmanuel, God is with us. Then we talked about God is everywhere. He's in everything. He is everywhere. He is all-knowing, all-wise, every, ever-present. Everywhere we go, there's God. Why can't we find God and develop a relationship with him? Looking at all the distractions... That was the Where's Waldo meeting or session, if you'll recall that. And then we talked last time I spoke, um, relationships, DTR, dust of the rabbi, getting so close to God that the dust of his feet comes off and gets on us. Martha in the kitchen, distracted, serving Mary at the feet of Jesus, listening to, choosing that portion which was more important. The screen shows the topic today, the greatest moment of your life. When was it? What is it? Where were you? What were you doing? Now, for a lot of us, it would be a common thing. We would say, oh, the day I got married, the day my, this and this and this child was born, the day we moved into our house that we've been saving for for years, the job that I always wanted that I got or the location or whatever it might be, those might be the things that we would classify the greatest moment in, in our lives. Maybe. Derek, when you bowled that first 300, was that a great moment? Something that he had wanted for so long, striven for for so long, finally achieved. It was a great moment. The day I walked up on the green at the 18th hole at the Hurstbourne Country Club, and I knew that I'd hit a good shot that was very, very close to the pin, and there was not a ball on the green. While I was sitting looking at from the cart to the green, was a great moment. That walk from the cart. I looked around, I couldn't find the ball anywhere. Except maybe it's in the hole. Could it be? Oh, yes, there it is. A hole in one. It's luck. Yeah, I know. It's not like they, uh, Derek's 300 where you got to do it 12 times in a row. You know, A little luck, good shot, but you know, it's got to have all the right bounces and so forth. Labor Day, Nita's birthday. 2018, my brother and I are playing golf at Henry County. We're on a par three. And he scores a hole-in-one. I was happy for him. Oh, I was, I was excited. It, it, was a, it was a great moment. There will be... Let us accept that we talked about rainbow days. There will be some great moments, have been some great moments in your life. There will be in the future some great moments in your life. Some will be different. Who here has rolled a 300 perfect game? Hmm. Only one. Hmm. Who here has had a hole in one? Hmm. Leave me a You've had a hole in one? Now we're not talking putt putt. Now we're talking, (laughs) (laughs) and rolled in. See, it just goes to show you that you know you don't have to be an excellent golfer to. to, And I'm not saying Lee's not an excellent golfer. Boy, was that backhanded or what? <laughs> the description of this shot was, I hit it on the ground and it rolled 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 and it, rolled and it, rolled and it, ro- and it went in. Okay, so, you know, but the guy said something to me the other day that, that makes it perfectly sense. When I said, ah, oh, that was just luck, he said, well, you aimed to hit it in the hole when you stood at the tee, right? I mean, That was your objective. So regardless of how it gets there, that was your aim. So whether it's a little luck or not, it's... It's a hole in one. All right, so if we went around the room and we asked everybody, what is your greatest moment? You know, some would be shared, some would be different, unique things. Unique to your skill level or unique to your interest or those kind of things. But you know how you remember those moments? How do you remember those moments? How do you remember your 300, your first three hundred? Did you save anything from it? (laughs) He can go back to that date and time, probably tell you the day it was, the year it was, the time it was, the bowling alley it was, what lane number it was on. Pretty much, yeah. These great moments are all in the past. They're all in the past. They're history. The greatest moment you have in your life right now. This is the only moment in which you can acknowledge and celebrate and know for sure that you have a relationship with God right now, right this second no this second no this second you see how it goes this one second that you live a second at a time it's only here for a little bit and then what it's history now some of you are out there waiting going i haven't had my greatest moment yet it's out there that's the future You don't know what you're going to have from a future standpoint, do you? You don't even know if you're going to have a future. We don't even know if we're going to see tomorrow. So they have faith out there somewhere that somewhere waiting for them is a great moment in their life, an event or an experience, so fantastic it exceeds all others. You're waiting for your greatest moment. Well, I'm sorry, but the past is never coming back. The future is uncertain. We're we're getting ready to celebrate a 50th high school reunion for the Fern Creek graduates of the class of 1969. I'm, I'm, I'm part of that committee, and I'm running into people getting their names and addresses and... Re- reconnecting with people I haven't seen or had any contact with that I, that I did for a long time during high school and yet haven't seen them for 50 years. You know? So one of my best friends, we just reconnected in the last two weeks. And so he sends me pictures first. I was not going to do that. And he sat close to Nita in uh, study hall. So she knows him very well himself. And so you know what our first reaction was when we saw those pictures? That's Link? Are you kidding me? So finally I was brave enough to send him some photos of Nita and I, and his email that he sent back, he says, you haven't changed a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Nor have I, he said. LOL. Okay. Uh, the message was, we, we don't look like we did 50 years ago. That's all past. That's gone. My hair is gone. And it's never coming back. Right? As much as I can wish for it, pine for it, uh, try to spend money growing it back, it ain't, it ain't coming back. Okay? Your gray hair, it ain't coming back. To, what, were you blonde headed or, yeah? I know you're fair skinned. Only way you're going to get blonde hair again is what? Diet, color. It ain't coming back by itself, right? Uh, I was going to go to waistlines, but I think I'm going to skip that subject. Because it's possible, but it ain't likely. <laughs> I don't think I can get in my high school letter jacket, you know. I'm, I might be able to get one arm in it, but, but that's about it. The greatest moment in your life is right now. I remember going to my grandpa Dan's. Dan Eisenberg, who I'm partially named after, and uh, oh, there's so many stories to tell about th- these folks. But you know, they were old before they were old, and when they got old, they were really old. And so, in their house, there was a clock that sat in the kitchen, and there was always very little noise in the house. Uh, they didn't really tolerate kids and noise and so when they were sitting around the the wood-burning stove you know uh, in the middle of, you could hear the clock go life was just passing by now I wish I had that clock because I could I could probably you know buy a nice couple of suits of clothes with that clock if I had it now But time would just pass. That's the way it goes, second by second. Let's look at Scripture. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. What did he say? Yesterday? Mm -mm. Tomorrow? Mm -mm. What did he say? Today. This is the day. That the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Let's live in today for a while. While the seconds are ticking by. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It Sound like we're getting ready to sing a song. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The love of God is new every single morning. His mercies never come to an end. Ephesians 5, Paul writes, Look carefully, then, how you walk, which is a metaphor for living, not just your steps not as the unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Paul doesn't want us wasting our time. Paul doesn't want us thinking about the future. He doesn't want us living in the past. He wants us, as God's Word continues to teach us over and over and over again, live in the moment, the greatest moment of your life is today. Now, I want to introduce you the single most dangerous word in the English language. And it's not a four-letter word, although those, those are dangerous. but We turn our story to the Old Testament, back in Exodus. The Israelites are in slavery. They've been there 400 years. They're being oppressed by the Egyptians. They're slaves, and they're crying out to the Lord for their anguish and where they're at, so forth and so on. God chooses Moses for whatever reason. He chose Moses and says, Moses, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh, and you're going to argue on my behalf for the children of Israel in front of Pharaoh. We talked about it this morning in class. It, it, it never goes away, that, that thought process of Moses not feeling he was... Significant enough or good enough to go before Pharaoh and plead Israelite's case. So, very simply put, I'm not trying to uh, reduce the story or make it significant, but for, for time, he goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to let them go. They're my labor force. They're building our bricks so that we can expand Egypt. And they're cheap labor, and I'm not giving up on them. Moses says very simply, okay, God's going to show you painfully why you should not say no. And so the first plague that he sends them, you remember what it was? Blood. Turn the Nile River to blood. Turn their canals, their ponds, their lakes. They had to dig in the ground beside of the Nile River to try to get down to the water table to find some water that wasn't hadn't been turned into blood. And yeah, oh, by the way, the, the sorcerers or the magicians in Egypt were able to do the same thing, so it just hardened Pharaoh's heart all the more to not let the Israelites go. Now, for seven days, they had no water other than what they dug alongside the Nile, and it killed everything in the Nile. All the fish, all the gators, all the this, all the that. And when... Moses came before Pharaoh, and because the magicians had turned other water into blood, Pharaoh says what? Nope, can't go, can't go. As you said, Moses said, what was the second plague? Anybody remember? Frogs, 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 and frogs, and frogs, and frogs, and frogs frogs. in their ovens in their refrigerators, in their dishwashers, in their beds, in their garbage disposals. When they went to the bathroom, they had to rake the seat off to get the frogs out of the way. Frogs, frogs, and more frogs. Well, They've just had seven days of bloody water that killed all the fish. And I don't know what they've done with them. I, I know that later on they heap up the frogs, But Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, what do you think? Well, would you plead for the Lord, to the Lord, to get rid of the frogs? Because, you know, and oh, by the way, the magicians did the same thing. They made frogs. Now, I don't know why they would when they had more than they could handle, they were everywhere. I know the Pharaoh's cook, when he fixed him breakfast in the morning, said, Okay, Pharaoh, what would you like with your eggs? How about some frog legs? You know, we, we, we got enough of those that, that we, we, can, we can spare some. He says, No, I won't let the Israelites go. Plead with the Lord to let them go, uh, to let Pharaoh have, let the Israelites go. Pharaoh says, tomorrow. The most dangerous word in the English language. Moses said to Pharaoh, Be pleased to command me when I'm to plead for you and for your servants and for your people that the frogs be cut off from you and your houses and be left only in the Nile. And he, Pharaoh, said, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Moses said, be it as you say, so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. Pharaoh is saying to Moses, plead to the Lord that our, we can be relieved from this plague of the frogs. You tell me when, Pharaoh? And Pharaoh says, these frogs are not so bad. You don't have to get rid of them right now. Man, if it had been me, I'd have been, get them out of here. Get them out of here right now. How about before you leave, get rid of the frogs? But no, Pharaoh says, no, we we can handle the frogs one more time. One more night, we can sleep with a bed full of frogs. It's not a problem. Tomorrow. And here we are today, thinking about tomorrow. It's irrational to think like that and to continue living in the mud and the muck and the smell of dead fish and frogs and bloody water. It's irrational to keep behavior patterns that destroy our lives and yet here we are living in this muck and mud. The smell of dead fish and frogs in our lives and our relationships. And we can get out of these messes by having a relationship with God and we choose to say tomorrow I'll have another night sleeping with frogs. Not a problem. Just wait till tomorrow. When God says the greatest moment in your life is not in the past, it's not tomorrow, but it's right now. Hebrews, chapter 3. Beginning in verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear His voice, do not My rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The Hebrew writer is exhorting them based upon this story we just read and the one that involved the Israelites of constantly denying their relationship with God, putting them always to the test, always being in a wayward relationship with God. Exhort one another while it is called today. Right this moment, this great life. Most of us have a set of conditions that we're we're waiting on to to fall into place to, to make our life and our situation in our life the greatest moment. We're waiting for the kids to get grown. We're waiting for the bank account to be built up. We're waiting for this. We're waiting for that. We're waiting for this particular situation to get our relationship right with God. Our relationship is always out there tomorrow. Facebook. I've not been on Facebook to post anything ever. My wife got me set up with Facebook two, three, four years ago. Sometime in the last six weeks, I got hacked. All my friends who I've never sent a Facebook message to were getting messages from me, and they were sending me information back. You know, Dan, you don't ever send Facebook messages. Did you really send this to me? I don't know what it was, but the answer was, nope, I didn't. Well, you've been hacked, they say, whatever that means. I guess somebody got into my system and pretended to be me or used my account, whatever it was. Maybe wanted to do me harm, I don't know. But, so we had to take that one down or change the password, do whatever so that we could not send any more messages out or fix the hack, okay? In the process of that though, now I'm starting to get things and I'm starting to pay attention to Facebook and what some of my friends put on Facebook. I see a lot of the things that you all put on Facebook. Some of you are Facebook queens. I mean, you really know what you're doing on on Facebook. But I don't. But a girl that I graduated with, Pat Driscoll, we have an odd connection. She was my cardiologist nurse at the cardiologist's office I was sent to when I had my heart attack. And so she's doing the interview, you know, the question and answer form you got to fill out, you know, do you do this, do you do that, do And finally she looked at me and she said, would you rather somebody, I get somebody else to ask you these questions? Because they're pretty personal. I said, Pat, you know me as well as anybody. You know, I have for a long, long time. So no, I'm, I'm fine with it. So through my therapy and my recuperation and surgery, I went into Louisville Cardiology for quite some time. And so kind of kept a relationship with us. Well, she retired in the last year when she was, I don't know, 66 or so. And so now she and her husband put on Facebook this past week that they've returned from the trip of a lifetime. Yeah. I can just tell in her voice it's one of these great moments that they've experienced. They took an RV out west. They took this route. They've been gone since, I don't know, back before the winter started. And now they're just returning home, and they've seen the world that they've been putting off seeing, and all of their expense uh, experiences. I mean, it's a long post. You know, it would fill two or three typewritten sheets of paper. At the very end, Pat leaves some words for all of her Facebook friends. The trip of a lifetime. Those of you who are tomorrow. Planning your trip of a lifetime? Do it today. Because what she's saying is, we had a great time, but man, I wished I had done it when? Right that moment when I had, instead of putting it off till I was 66, and that things became such a problem for us, all of the experiences that they shared. Just she enjoyed the trip immensely, but I can tell in her wording that she would have enjoyed the trip better at 45. Mm -hmm. When she felt better, when driving through the downtown streets of New Orleans in an RV wouldn't have been so nerve wracking for she and her husband and all of those kinds of things. So her idea, her suggestion was do it today. How do we spend this moment with Jesus? Do we have to start, stop doing things? Well, maybe we might have to, but really it's just that we have to learn to do things in a new way. Simple things. Things that we do every day. The first task is to go to sleep. I know that may sound strange. Go to sleep. God has made the sleep portion of cycle for us and our benefits for our good. And we are so sleep-deprived that it's affecting our lives and it's affecting our relationship with God. And I will stand up here and tell you I am the first one in line when it comes to sleep deprivation. I've lived my life sleep deprived. I've burned a candle at both ends. I've stayed up till midnight one o'clock and and cranked the alarm up at six and done it for years and years and years and years and years thinking I was cramming more, and now here I am, and I'm paying the price for it. Going to sleep with God and getting enough sleep, and I know there are times in your life when you can't do that, but planning and and making a, a choice to get enough sleep is a difficult thing to do. It's still difficult for me and Nita to do. Because there's so many things that we want to do. But if you just try the little experiment that we go to bed some night earlier and don't set an alarm and see how long you sleep. And and that'll tell you whether or not you're getting enough you're getting enough sleep or not. So plan on getting some more sleep. Now, Now watch this. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And there was evening and there was morning. This is the second day. This is back from Genesis. There was evening and there was morning the third day and there was evening and morning and there was fourth day and I could have made another slide or Brittany could have made another slide for me that went all the way through the creation and it was always there's evening and then there's morning and then there's the day. It's over with. Well, You know, we know that. The day starts at 12 midnight when it's evening. When you lay down to to sleep at night, you lay down for a reason to get some rest, to restore your body. I couldn't tell you, Doc could. We could get him to stand up and tell us all the wonderful things that happen to our bodies at night when we sleep. It's not a punishment. It's a reward to renewing your body and to making it, it stronger and And healthier, and when we deprive ourselves of this rest, it hurts us. Our bodies rest and are renewed. Now let's look at this one. This is from David in his Psalms. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for He gives to His beloved sheep. It's vain that you rise up early and go late to rest. David says, you're fooling yourself if you think you can shortcut the sleep cycle. Yeah, you, you have to do it for a night, that's fine. But if you do it on a continual basis like most of us do, you're affecting your health and you're affecting your ability to have a good relationship with God. Our culture is sleep-deprived. I've admitted I've spent most of it. When you wake up in the morning, sleep deprived, there are arguments. There are irritability. There's accidents. There's disagreements. My other grandpa and my other grandma, they slept in separate beds. There was a reason that they slept in separate beds. Grandpa Paul Tui out on the the screened-in, not screened-in, built-in porch on the back of the house. Grandma in the in the bed in the house, in one of the bedrooms. A nicer bed. I always thought that was an odd situation. Because my mom and dad slept in the same bed in our house. Of course, they, they were older. And I finally figured out that Grandpa didn't sleep with Grandma anymore because Grandpa wasn't getting any sleep. Because Grandma, guess what she was doing? She's El- no, she was elbowing Grandpa. Why was she elbowing Grandpa? Because he was snoring. And so their compromise was Grandpa, you go to the back porch and you sleep there. Now, now think about it. How many of you sleep with a CPAP device? Come on, get them. It's, it's not an embarrassment. How many of you should be sleeping with the CPAP device? Probably a bunch. <laughs> How long has the sleep study stuff been? I said in my sermon notes, 30 years ago it started. Is that, is that about right? Okay. You never heard of a sleep study or a sleep doctor 30 years ago. You never heard of CPAPs 30 years ago, did you? Yeah, and I know they're uncomfortable. They're aggravating. My wife complains about mine leaking air or doing all kinds of things. But, you know, people also died in their sleep a long time ago when they didn't have CPAPs, too, folks. Just go look at and read. That's why people at 60, well, he died in his sleep last night because he had a heart attack. And it was because of the complications of his sleep apnea. Sleep is a vital, vital, important, it's a God-given blessing, and we need to recognize that and utilize We'll feel better if we get some sleep. Remember the disciples? They were always sleep-deprived, weren't they? They go to Gethsemane. Jesus said, sit here, Watch and pray while I'm going to go pray. And Jesus comes back, and you know what happened. What were they doing? Sleeping. Jesus said, can't you stay awake? What if they'd come then? I wanted you to watch. On the converse of that, they're out in the middle of the boat, and Jesus is all curled up, and he's snoozing. I don't know whether he's snoring or not. I started to say he was snoring, but I will. we'll give him the benefit that he didn't have to snore. He's asleep. And the disciples and the apostles, they're all panicked. Why? Man, it's storm brewing. The boat, it's rocking, and it's rolling, and it's, it could go down. And they nudging Jesus and waking him up, saying, Hey, man, how can you sleep at a time like this? We're scared to death. And what does Jesus do? Ah, peace. Be still. Calm down. You guys, you got no faith, you know? So sleep deprivation is one of those things. Waking up with God in the morning. I appreciate what Dan Dexter said in his prayer this morning because that is a good objective and goal, to give God the first part of our day, the the new day. But, you know, let's think about the day doesn't start when the alarm goes off, when the sun rises, when the coffee pot clicks on and, and comes to brewing And the shops start to open up where you can go get a cup of coffee at Starbucks and uh, a donut and all that kind of thing. It it starts in in the evening. And when we wake up, you know, we we say that there's morning people and there's not morning people. (laughs) Yeah. Man, those people that wake up cheery and rosy immediately when they open their eyes, they just make me sick. Yeah. Most of us when we are sleeping and we wake up from that sleep, we are in a a state of semi consciousness. We are drugged heavy because we've been in a in a deep sleep, you know. And so the most of us that we I've even seen people with t shirts that says Don't say anything to me before coffee. You know, it's just that's that's how some people are. But we we put pressure on ourselves early in the morning because that's what we're taught. You know, give God the first fruits. But the first fruits of the day are not at six and seven, eight o'clock. They're at night in preparation to go to bed. Waking up is a blessing. And, 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 yeah? and, and if, if we are uh, have a difficult time, if we're sick and tired and tired when we get up and we try to give God our blessing that particular moment, don't you think God's probably sick and tired of us doing it that way? I might, you might think. So the idea is maybe, maybe we give God, if we're cheery enough, okay, fine. But maybe we give God the best part of the day. If you're tired of enforcing it, God is tired of your forcing it. Give God the best part of your day. Just try to find three, uh, a minute to do three choice things. One is acknowledge that, that you are dependent upon God, that you don't have the strength and or the power to do. much without God. That's what God appreciates. Your humbleness. You're saying, God, you are the reason I'm here. You are the one that has given me life. You sustain me. I'm thankful to you for your your gift of support. I don't have enough strength or power on my own. I'm going to depend on you today. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow. Not in the past, but right now, in this moment. Share your concerns about today. Most of us share our concerns about the next week, or the next month, or the future. When all we've got, the greatest moment we've got, is right now, today. And so we ought to be asking God, God... Take care of me. Take care of my concerns. These are my concerns for today. I just want to get through today. Whatever problem you've got, whatever issues facing you, work it out with God, talk it out with God in the course of your day. And then finally, ask God to walk with you this day. Don't worry about whether he walked with you in days past. Don't worry about whether he's going to walk with you in the future. God, walk with me today. David says, O Lord, in the morning, you hear my voice. In the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you. And then I do this, and then I watch David says, I turn it over to you. I talk to you in the morning. I sacrifice to you in the morning. And then I watch and see, God, what you're going to do. So the greatest moment in our life, not a past moment, Holy ones are great. 300 Games are great. Achieving your Greatest moment is great, but your greatest moment, my greatest moment, is right here today, right now. As the clock ticks, the moment is available for you to respond and acknowledge to God that you need a good relationship with Him. And if you're not in a good relationship with Him, right now is the time It's the greatest moment in your life. Come forward now as we stand.